What's happening, everybody? Good morning. It is a pleasure to be with you today. I want to start just by opening in prayer. So, Lord Jesus, we welcome you. We welcome you, Lord. Father, we thank you for your presence with us, Lord. We thank you for the awesome time in worship, God. But, Lord, we're not, we're not satisfied. Lord, during those times of worship, it's, it's especially easy for us to recognize your presence, to let our mind drift towards you, Lord God, to focus on who you are and your greatness, on your power, on your love. But, Lord, right now, as we, as we take this time to press into your word, what... what word you have for us, rhema a word you have for us today, Lord God. We, we pray that you would give us a special sense of your presence with us, even in this moment, Lord, because you're here. You're here, you're speaking, you're moving. So Lord, right now, we just welcome you. We welcome you. Students, staff, faculty, let's, let's, let's just take a moment and just welcome him personally. You're welcome in this place, God. You're welcome in this place. You're welcome in this, this place, our hearts, Lord, our minds, our spirits. God, it can be so easy to take this time for granted. The time we're at school, Lord, and in your presence. We're, we're studying, Lord. We're getting, getting certificates. We're getting degrees, and yet we have the ability because of where we live because of where we've chosen to go to school, where we've chosen to work, where we've chosen to, to have our career. Lord, we have this opportunity here in the middle of the week, the middle of the day, to be with you. Lord, we, we thank you. What a blessing. What a privilege and an honor. You're welcome, God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Man, it's, it's good to... Remember, right? It's good to recognize the honor that we have to be with him. How good it is. It's always a pleasure to be with you guys. Uh, I, love, I love this. I love being here at EBIC. I love pastoring the church right across the pond. I love living in this town. Something that Melanie and I really enjoy is taking walks. And oftentimes we'll walk through campus. All the time we'll walk through campus. And and. Isn't it amazing to live in this town? I don't know if you realize this, especially those of you who are newer to, to Elam, newer to Lima, but what a blessing it is to live in a place where everywhere you go, you see somebody who's a part of EBIC or a part of Elam Life Church or a part of Elam Fellowship or a part of, of, for a long time, Campus Target or Basic College Ministries. There's so many. Uh, um, uh, helicopter. Helimission. I knew that. I knew that. Brain fart as you're up. It's never fun to have a brain fart when you're preaching. But it happens. Definitely happens. Uh, to, to walk around this town and be just in, a, in an environment where God is welcomed. So, so good. I love it. I love being here. I love speaking with you guys. This is the Bible school I graduated from. It's where I met my lovely wife. I'd have what I call Melanie Radar. When I walked in the, the doors right here, I'd walk in and be like, and there she was. And I would sit somewhere nearby, usually, uh, <laughs> accidentally, you know what I'm saying? So it is an honor to be with you this morning. Um, I want to ask you, how many of you have a crazy friend? Anybody? 
I love how many hands are shot up. And many of you are thinking of the same person in the room. Would you point to your crazy friend in the room right now? All right. Yeah, yeah. So good. So good, Dominic. I have to say, I, uh, I saw your video where you, you introduced everybody to the tabernacle some time ago on social media. Well done. That was really good. Amen. So your crazy friends, I'd like to define that as the one who makes you laugh, who makes you more fun than you actually are. Is that true? Who makes you think, who makes you dream. It's best when our crazy friends also make us better than we are, right? Because we've all had those crazy friends that like lead us down that wrong path. But hopefully the crazy friend you just pointed to in the room is the one that leads you towards the good the good path that helps you become better than you are, challenges you in good ways. I have a, a crazy friend. His name is, is Pastor Ben. He's a pastor up in northern New York. And he loves me, and he makes me a better person. He talks with me. He makes me laugh. We have had some amazing times together. Uh, I was a youth pastor in Albany at, at a church called Del Mar Full Gospel Church for nine years after I graduated from, from Bible college here. And we did a vacation Bible school every summer. We had something like 100, 120, 130 kids at our church for those weekdays every summer. And this one week, for whatever reason, Ben took off time at his church to hang out with me at vacation Bible school for a week. And it was a week we did a superhero theme. And so we, I was the guy. I would walk around with a microphone. I would have this larger-than-life personality as much as possible and draw attention to the kids and focus on the Bible lesson for that day and do funny, funny, creative things. And so Ben would walk around with me doing these videos and he took on this superhero persona called Captain Demonstration. And he would demonstrate all of the different superpowers that, that we, were, we were focusing on that week. Like fastness was, was one of my favorites. He had the, the superpower of poofing, which wasn't what you think it was. It was like, it was like just disappearing. Uh, <clears throat> he could glow. We did this, we did this, um, this end of the week family gathering where we would focus on all the things we learned that week. And he was, he was captain demonstration in front of like 150, 100 and probably closer to 200 people that night. Cause the parents came and he demonstrated how he could fly by, by belly flopping, like from this high up belly flopping in a kiddie pool, he wasn't really good at demonstrating flying. And he, could de he demonstrated how he could glow by um, climbing through this, this large cardboard box with holes cut out where, where one of our, our volunteers squeezed um, a maple syrup all over him as he's crawling through this box. He didn't, glow, he didn't demonstrate glowing very well either. And he demonstrated how he, uh, he, he, it was impossible for him to become dizzy. Uh, he didn't demonstrate that very well either. But it was one of the funniest experiences of my life, and I got to do it with, with my crazy friend who loved doing life and loved doing ministry with me. He, he, he's still one of my best friends. He asks me questions. He lets me be myself. He's a healthy friend for me. And I hope you have somebody like that in your life, that that friendship is super important, super, super powerful. I want to, uh, I want to ask you, what are some important characteristics of a healthy friendship? Whether it be your crazy friend, your not-so-crazy friend, your mom, your dad, your, your, your favorite teacher, your, your amazing pastor. What, what, is, what are some of the characteristics of a healthy friendship? Just shout them out. Raise your hand, shout them out, however you want. Cece. 
Encouragement without asking for anything back. Zach. Good, you can listen without inserting your opinion all of the time. Right, yes. Being able to be vulnerable? Yeah, really good. Over here. Correction, what do you mean? You can have that kind of relationship where you can have an openness and correct them even when they need it. Really good, yeah. Honesty, very good. Being comfortable being stupid. Yeah, we talked a little bit about that. Really good. Really good. Anybody over here? Give me something. Trust. Trust. Being able to trust each other. And from the faculty section. Loyalty. Really good. Here's some, as I was processing this idea of relationship and friendship, here's some of the things that I thought about. You like each other. That's probably important. You spend time with each other. You talk with each other. You're able to be silent with each other. Isn't that weird? Some Like, if you... If you're with somebody you're not really close with, how easy is it for, to be silent with that person? It's horrible. It's so uncomfortable, so awkward. You help each other grow. You want the best for each other. You're willing to call out the other person for their mistakes because you love them. You're happy when they're happy. You're sad when they're sad. You mourn when tough things happen in their lives, and you celebrate their victories. These are some of the, some of the characteristics of really strong, good relationships. When relationships are healthy, they're so good. So much strength and encouragement to us. Now, we're going to get into the Word of God, and we're going to talk about the Bible. All right? When you read the Bible, the Bible is all about relationships. God's relationship with people. The Israelites, which is a huge group of people, and us, Christians, we are also a huge group of people. But... It goes beyond God's relationship with a huge group of people. God wants the closeness of friendship with you. One-on-one. Consistent. Healthy. Friendship with you. John 15, 15 says, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I've told you everything the Father told me. Romans 8.15 says, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Daddy, Father. We have this, this ability to have a close personal friendship, a close personal relationship with God. He wants that relationship with you. And the title of the message today is The Significance of Relationship. I know, super creative. Makes you think, right? Why, why am I talking about this? I mean, we're, we're at Elam Bible Institute in college. And you're here because you had, have a relationship with Jesus, right? That's, that's one of those key things about coming to Bible school. You should know the God you're studying about and getting to know. You're studying here either to prepare yourself for a lifetime of ministry or... To prepare yourself for a lifetime of ministry. And I've heard that different ways, right? You've heard that, well, maybe you're going to go into full-time ministry. And maybe you're going to establish, get your, get your feet grounded in the word of God. Get your heart settled in your relationship with God. And then launch out into a secular job. Well, that's accurate. But I think what's more accurate is that you're either preparing for a lifetime of ministry or for a lifetime of ministry. 
Because whether you're stepping into full-time ministry as a, minister, a pastor or a missionary or a worship leader or a t- teacher at a Christian school, or whether you're getting a solid foundation before going to business or medicine or, I don't know, driving trucks with very dangerous explodable, explosive things in the back, whatever you're doing, anything else, each of you are, thank you, each of you are preparing to launch into a career with Jesus as your savior, as your Lord, which means your boss, your king, the ruler of your life. And if that's the case, no matter what you're doing on a day-to-day basis, you are stepping into full-time ministry. Because that's what God has called you to. That's what God has called us as Christians to. So why would I take a chapel service to share with you about the importance of relationship with the Jesus that you already have relationship with? The Jesus who already led you to this school to study this thing. The reason is because I've been where you are. I've been sitting in those seats. I I shared that with you. I, I, uh, I went to school here from 99 to 2002. I studied the Bible in class and in chapels and during the week of prayer. And let me tell you, I... Uh, back when I was, was here, I lived my first year in the admin building, which is now Spencer Hall, 4th East. Um, and I was in, in my room January, and I got the, the schedule for the week of prayer that we were heading into. And I just about cried. Because there was something like, do you remember this? There was something like 23 different services that we were going to over the next five days. I'm like, I love you, Jesus, but oh my goodness, do I love you enough to do that? It was crazy. But I, I've been in those, I've been in your spot. And I know, you know, I, I lived in this, the second and third year, I lived in this building uh, downstairs. And uh, we'd have, I mean, not only would we study the Bible in class, we'd have conversations, ministry and Bible conversations in our dorm rooms. And in how difficult, I know how difficult it was for me to then after all that time in the Word of God, all that time in worship, all that time in prayer, to then spend time in the Word of God and in worship and in prayer for myself. Can anybody else relate to what I'm talking about? You are with him all the time, right? And it's so easy to be like, God, I need a break from you right now because I just spent all this time with you all day long, all week long, all month long, all year long. I just need, I need I'm going to rest. And this is even before uh, cell phones were a thing. I mean, they were a thing. I'm not that old. I'm pretty old. But we didn't have cell phones back then. We had one phone in our, our hallway. And the crazy thing about that was we used it for talking. That's it. <laughs> we plugged into the wall, and that's what we used. We didn't have social media. We didn't have YouTube or Starburst. I looked this up because I, I don't even know. Starburst, HQ, these apps that I, I never heard about. Pokemon Go, I've heard about that one. Whatever, whatever other mobile games you guys are into nowadays, it, we didn't even have that level of distraction, that level of entertainment at your fingertips, no matter what you want, no matter where you are, no matter when you are, you got it. Especially when you're sitting on the can, right? Because everybody brings their phone in there. All right, so I'm speaking... <laughs> I'm speaking on this topic because of how crazy critical it is For you, EBIC student, for you, EBIC staff, faculty, teachers, administrators, 
If you're going to truly succeed in being an end-time revival laborer for Christ, this is so important that it doesn't get restricted to your corporate times together, but it gets included and prioritized in your personal time with him. Man, I, spent, I was spending time with Jesus this, this morning. And uh, I was in, uh, where was I? In Luke 3. If you have your Bibles, you can go there. If you have your phones, you can go there too. Luke chapter 3. And I was reading about John the Baptist. Such a challenging short passage. Luke 3, starting at verse 7. When the crowds came to John for baptism, he said, You brood of snakes! Who warned you to flee God's coming wrath? Uh, great opening lines for your sermons anytime you preach, especially, you know, when they don't know Jesus yet. They came to hear him preach, and this is what he says to them. You brood of snakes, who warned you to flee God's coming wrath? Prove by the way you live that you've repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we're safe or we're descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now, the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. Wow. This is what I'm reading this morning. I'm thinking about this message that I'm preaching today. I'm like, what a challenging word for John the Baptist to share. Lord, how does this tie in to what what you're having me speak on. These people who are the, this crowd coming to hear John the Baptist were coming to him with this heart expectation that we're good. We're good because of who we have descended from. We're good because our lineage was Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. We're good. We don't need to, to really turn. We don't need to really repent because we have that foundation on our lives. And God challenged me, speaking with, with you guys. Man, it, it can be so easy to come into school, to come into chapel and be like, I'm good. Lord, my life is good. I am I'm at Bible school. I am in upstate New York. How many of you traveled here from somewhere warmer than here? Yeah, you guys might be feeling like, I'm especially good, God. Do you see what I sacrificed, the weather that I'm stepping into? It's supposed to snow today. This is crazy. You've seen nothing yet. Well, I'm good, Lord. Look what I did. Look what I've given up. Now, we can't, we can't rely on where we've come from or what we've, what we've laid down. Our salvation isn't based on our parents going to church. It's not based on us making a decision several months ago to make this our college. Our relationship with him is based on relationship with him. Consistent, steady, faithful connection with the God of the universe. John the Baptist is challenging these guys. Verse 9. Every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. This is not a works gospel. It's not a I need to work to earn it. But my, my works will prove the fruit of my life will prove the root of my life. I need to know Jesus so that my life can be lived out for his glory, his kingdom, for his good. 
Check this passage out. John 1, starting at verse 43. I love this passage. John 1, starting at verse 43. This is in the NASB version I'm reading today. The next day he purposed to go into Galilee, Jesus. And he found Philip. And Jesus said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida of the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Come and see. What, what confidence? Can you picture this moment? Philip gets a huge smile on his face with 100% conviction that Nathaniel's doubts will be answered once he meets Jesus. Come and see. Just come and see. I know you'll see what I saw. Verse 47, Jesus saw Nathaniel coming to him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathaniel said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathaniel answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Philip was proved right. Chuckled to himself. I told you so. I knew that would happen. Jesus made quick work of Nathaniel's doubts. Now, here's the deal. Nathaniel doubted that Jesus was the one written about in the Old Testament. But somehow, by Jesus telling him he saw him under a fig tree, it changed Nathaniel's mind dramatically, and we know Nathaniel became one of the 12 apostles, one of the 12 disciples. How could that fig tree illustration have been the thing to turn Nathaniel to prove Jesus' identity to this guy? Now, walk through this with me. Here's, here's what I think. Nathaniel knew from Jesus' first comments that Jesus saw into his heart. That Jesus saw him, really saw him. You can't know someone as a true Israelite in whom there is no deceit without relationship. You can't know that. So let's say you walked out of chapel right now. I just said, all right, everybody, go. And you walked out and you walked down the street to the family dollar tree that's down there. Beautiful new store. Everybody love that. That's right there. Walking distance. So good. You walked up to the counter, you pointed at the uh, young woman behind the register, and you shouted for all to hear, this fine young woman is a true Limaite. She lives her life with a pure heart. Hopefully you laughed to yourself as you're going to Family Dollar Tree next time, thinking about this. Uh, it, it wouldn't happen, right? Hopefully no one will do that. Please do not do that and tell them that Greg told you to do that. Don't do that. You wouldn't say that. Because you don't have the inside information, most likely, of the young woman who's working at the Family Dollar Tree register today. You can't really know what's in a person's heart until you've spent time with that person. So Nathaniel was taken aback at that, that greeting, the depth of that greeting that he received from Jesus. Because it wasn't a, hey, what's up, man? It wasn't a, hey, hey there, buddy. It, was, it wasn't that. It was Jesus reading his heart. So much so that Nathaniel asked this next question that popped into his head, how do you know me? Notice he didn't ask, how do you know that about me? 
He asked, how do you know me? Now, a quick, quick aside. There is a major difference between knowing about somebody and knowing somebody, right? Have you ever had that conversation with, with anybody? It's similar to, it's not, it's not identical, it's not exact, but uh, James 2.19, where James says, you believe there's one God, good for you. He applauds sarcastically. Even the demons believe that and tremble. It's, it's one thing to know about, right? It's one thing to believe something. It's another thing to know someone. And, and Nathaniel's like, how do you know me? There's a depth to that greeting that caught Nathaniel by surprise. Nathaniel didn't, didn't quite see it yet, but there was something powerful happening. It was God in the flesh saying, I know you and I like you. That's awesome. Jesus' answer sounds a little strange to us, right? How do you know me? And Jesus said, how do I know you? Even before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. What does that mean? Well, after hours and hours and hours of studying, I have come to the conclusion. that me- I have no idea what that means. I really, I, I don't know for sure what that means. But I have a theory. All right? I believe that this means one of two things. It could mean that there was a time when Nathaniel demonstrated his character, his integrity, his non-deceit, while he was under a fig tree. And somehow it was a big enough situation that word got out that Nathaniel was a man without deceit, and he figured, well, Jesus must have found out about that thing that happened. I don't think that one's very likely. Right? It sounds kind of far-fetched. I think that what is more likely is is this this next theory. Many commentators and theologians say that sitting under a tree was a normal place for men in that culture to be alone, to study scripture, and to pray. Now, it would make a lot of sense, considering Nathaniel's response, that Jesus was telling him this. I know what's in your heart. I know who you are. Because I'm the one you've been spending time with at your favorite place of prayer. Let that sink in for a second. That possibility. Nathaniel's mind, like, how do you know me? I saw you before Philip called you at the fig tree. Wow. Wow. Where's your favorite time, or where's your favorite place to spend time with Jesus? Anybody? Anybody in the room? It can be while you're here at school. It can be while you're at home. But where's your favorite time to spend, favorite place to spend time with Jesus? Your dorm? Yeah? it's good. In the car? Blasting worship music? Or just sometimes just praying? It's good. Patmos room, that's a good spot. Josh. The porch of Spencer Hall. Wow, that's, that's a powerful spiritual spot right there. Yeah. By the pond, so good. Out in nature, yeah. The gazebo. There was a, there was a guy in my, uh, 
in my class at EBI. And if you if there's if there's one of you here, please don't don't look at that person right now, okay? But there was a there was a guy when I was in school at EBI, and for whatever he he could spend like intimate time with Jesus anywhere. So we'd be coming down, like, loudly stomping down the stairs in, in Spencer, and he's just like, yes, Jesus! He's praying and worshiping, like, speaking in tongues on, all, on the landing in the stairway as everybody's just crazy, crazy. One of my favorite spots over the years has been the driveway of Elam Life Church, uh, walking, walking down back and forth along that driveway. It's kind of it's private. There's, like, a cornfield next to me, and not many, other, not many people drive, drive down it during the day. It's like Jesus coming and saying to me, I know you. I know what's in your heart because I'm the one you've been spending time with walking back and forth on that driveway. I know you, Nathaniel, because I'm the one you've been connecting with as you sit alone under that fig tree. I know you. You've been spending time in my word. You've been spending time in prayer, back and forth conversation with me. I know you. This is my best guess. After studying this passage out about why this one statement made such a difference to young Nate. But regardless of what Jesus meant, regardless of what that, that statement meant, why that changed his perspective so suddenly, we know that it was significant enough for Nathaniel to leave everything behind, to give up everything, including his life in the end, to follow Jesus, to not just know about him but to know him, to know him, became one of the foremost priorities in Nathaniel's life, to follow Jesus. Now remember those characteristics of a healthy friendship, healthy relationship we talked about? You guys gave some and I gave my list. I, I want you to hear them again while thinking about your relationship with Jesus. A healthy relationship is one in which you like each other. You spend time with each other. You talk with each other. You're able to be silent with each other. You help each other grow. You want the best for each other. You're willing to call out the other person for their mistakes because you love them. It's generally one way on that one. You're happy when they're happy. You're sad when they're sad. You mourn when tough things happen in their lives. You celebrate their victories. Do you have that kind of relationship with Jesus? Do you want to? Do you want to? Jeremiah 33.3 in the Amplified says this. Call to me and I will answer you. And tell you and even show you great and mighty things. Things which have been confined and hidden. Which you do not know and understand and cannot distinguish. Man. He just wants to be with you. He wants to reveal himself to you. He wants to reveal the confined and hidden things. That you can't know without 